SMQBs, this is episode 147. It is Super Wild Card Weekend, and there are some happy people sitting here right now as a result of the games. But before we get into all the action, Pope, who are you bringing to the bar to chat with this week? Same guy that I had last week, but we got a little bit more to discuss today. Ah. Probably dragging his ass to the bar, by the way. Either that or finding him there, uh, you know, unrecognizable. But uh, Mike McCarthy, as they say, got some splaining to do. Um, You had the number one offense. You had a great defense. You had home field advantage. We'll get into all that uh, on my uh, papal rant here in a minute. But um, I'm going to have a beer with him and... uh, Probably going to hit him over the head with the uh, beer stein. Rooster, well, who do you got? Who are you bringing? I think I'd like to have a beer with the guy we punched last week, the owner of the Panthers, and see if I could provoke him with my question to throw a drink at me by asking him how he feels about trading up to draft <laughs> Bryce Young now. Right. <laughs> Would that be a $300,000 after the amazing C.J. Stroud performance. Yeah. Alice, what about you? Can we, can we do Dead or Alive? Yeah. I I think we'd be remiss uh, uh, if we didn't yeah. recognize today. So I, th- I, I really would like to have a drink with one of my heroes, Martin Luther King Jr. And I'd like to talk some football with him and, uh, and tell him that the most impressive performances of this weekend – he wouldn't believe it, but they were they were made by black quarterbacks, uh, which weren't even in the NFL for a very long time. I looked yeah. up something today. It wasn't until like, wasn't until like one of the Steelers Super Bowls that there was even a black MVP of a Super Bowl when Franco Harris became Super Bowl MVP. There's been who was a lot that of guy? James? Uh, who was what was that guy? That skinny guy, number seventeen, the quarterback for the Steelers. Oh. For the Steelers, you're not Gil- talking about. Not- the first black quarterback for the Steelers. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Gilman, Gil, yeah, Gillum maybe. But Doug Williams Gilliam. was the first uh, black quarterback MVP, wasn't he? Yes, Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. The right. first black quarterback to start a Super Bowl. Yeah. Good one, House. Yeah, that is a good one. Um, well, I'm going to stick sort of with that theme, House. I'm I'm bringing Jordan Love to the bar because I just want to buy him drink after drink after drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and thank him <laughs> for ruining Dallas's playoff chances, for ruining their whole plan, for causing heartburn to the entire city and, and uh, ownership and the whole team. So Jordan Love, I'm, I'm buying you all the drinks, buddy. You could, <laughs> you could easily have done that with Matt LaFleur as well. Yeah, that's yeah, true. So, Pope, uh, I think you asked for the floor here. I think maybe you have something you want to get off your chest, maybe? Yeah, this is going to be like kind of part Stephen A., part uh, Skip Bayless, part Michael Irvin. All Ooh, I want to see the Michael Irvin part. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Irvin was not happy. I think you guys, I, I sent you guys that text. Uh, you know, he said, look, uh, when you come to the Cowboys, you got championship. 
They got a championship. You go get a championship. I put my championship on the table. Where is your championship? Where is it? All your asses need to go. That's pretty much what Michael said. And, that was uh, really right up there with House's impersonation of Stephen. I a. think Pope's was better. I think Pope's <laughs> was better. <laughs> I, I could do more over the top, but I, I'm going to spare you guys. Um, look, 29 years now since Dallas has played in the NFC Championship game. That is an unbelievable drought. Longest, uh, obviously, in the in sporting history for uh, for a team. Um, no, that can't, be, no. that can't be right. No way. That, that can't be right. Washington hasn't been there longer than Dallas. Well, it just feels longer. We've been <laughs> in the playoffs more than y'all have, I guess. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Look, I mean, the, the Packers own the Cowboys, whether it's regular season or playoffs. They're 6-0 and at AT&T Stadium. They might as well have it, you know, be called their own home. Dallas gave up 48 points uh, at home, which is second most all time to the Washington. I don't even know. Were they the Redskins back in 1940 when they gave up 73 points to the Bears? To the Bears. Yeah. 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 So they're, they're uh, at historic first time number two seed loses to a number seven seed. Um, Dak Prescott's playoff record is two and five. Tony Romo's was two and four. Aikman's, even though he won three Super Bowls after the third Super Bowl, Aikman was one and three. Um, just a, a history of eight times they were eliminated in the in the one and done. Um, Jerry, you know, it's the definition of an insanity. What what it, you continue to do the same thing over and over and hope for a different result. The coaching staff. Uh, the players, whatever, they did not come out ready to play. Did they not take the Packers serious? I mean, we've been talking all week. The Packers were 6-2 and two coming into this game. Jordan Love, 18 touchdowns, one interception over his last eight games. They were one of the hottest teams in the NFL. They have owned the Cowboys in the playoffs. It's Mike McCarthy's former team. How the fuck could they not take him seriously? Did not show up. In the first quarter, Dak and, and CD were clearly already, there was a disconnect between them on the first drive. When they had that one on third down, they had the slant to CD and Dak missed him and CD probably could have caught it, but it was a horrible throw. Uh, it was just mind boggling. It, you know, the, the text thread between myself and my Cowboy fan guys uh, was just after the first series, when when the Packers took it eight eight minute drive, they to a man we were all like we are in trouble. This is after the first series of a game that we were favored by seven points. The scar tissue and PTSD from twenty nine years of losing in the playoffs is profound, and it's going to get deeper. And now we got to decide, and we can debate this. We got to decide if McCarthy comes back. Does Dak get an extension on his contract? I think what we decided today as a, a group the, of, of our of our cowboy friends is that we are held hostage by the Jones family. They're not going to get a coach like a Harbaugh and turn the operation over, football operation over. They're not going to get Belichick because he's not going to take orders from Jerry Jones and his meddling. They're not going to get another head coach with you know McCarthy's 
um, pedigree and his ability to, to play call and turn Dak into a, an MVP caliber quarterback. They're just going to, what did I tell you guys last year when this happened? I said, it doesn't matter when they lost to San Francisco. I said, whatever happens in the regular season, they could go 17 and zero, and it doesn't fucking matter unless they win in the playoffs. And when I say win, I mean at least go to the championship game. An utter failure. It's a fucking dumpster fire here in Dallas. It may be 20 degrees outside, but it better be 800 degrees under Jerry Jones' ass to get something going. Pope I mean, isn't it, isn't it just something that we've all sort of known, and that is the, that the Cowboys just basically suck? I mean, <laughs> they just suck. They're just not good. I mean, I, I, they, I mean, well, I mean, the argument can be made that they beat up on bad teams that yeah. they inflated their stats. If all you can't long. win on the road, you can't expect to be a good playoff team. That, that they were four and four against teams with winning records and, you know, uh, shouldn't have probably beat Detroit that, that we talked about that. Um, they, they lost the big games that mattered Buffalo and Miami when they had an opportunity, but not knowing that the Eagles would implode an opportunity to uh, secure a home field. Um, they had the same record as the Niners. Now, you know, you could argue the Niners gave up against the Rams in the last game, but they were tied for the best record in the NFC and they just stunk up the joint. And it's just not explainable. What the fuck is going well, on well, wait a minute. as well, they wait, prepare well, for the playoffs? Well, there is this phenomenon called playoff Dak, right? Yeah. But what about playoff Tony Romo? Two and well, four. I know. Well, and I don't minute, know why that happens to you. Right. But wait a wait a second, guys. I mean, everybody's blaming or wants to blame Dak, but I mean, how many points did the defense give up? Oh, the defense 41. got smoked. They gave up yeah. forty-one points because oh, I don't know. Dak had a pick six. Actually, right. You could argue they only gave should have given up thirty-four. They almost the had other, two pick sixes. The other interception the was yeah on the nineteen, and then they scored two plays later. Right. He and he got up and ran it in, but someone he touched his foot to the. To the, I mean, Dan uh, Quinn, we play man, player. we play man all year. Then all of a sudden we show up and play a soft zone. Just got picked apart. No pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Jordan Love had time all day uh, to, to pick and choose. Uh, and then they would sell out and the coverages would get busted. And how about that, uh, that touchdown in the second half, the guy had like 30 yards before a defender could even get to him. right 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 I, I watched the game at a, my a friend's house who's a Packers fan and like all Packers fans he's insane about the weather so we watched the game outside at his house around a <laughs> fire pit freezing my ass off you know he's got the screen outside and uh and he that was the first one there and he said you know you're you're on this podcast what do you think is going to happen and I said, I picked the Packers in our last show. Uh, and the reason is I think Jordan Love is going to have a C.J. Stroud type of game. And Aaron Jones is the most underrated running back in all of football. Um, and all that, I think all they're going to have to do is like double cover Lamb every time and put, have somebody whose only job on offense to absolutely stone Micah Parsons when he's rushing and Aaron Jones did that. You see him, he hit him right in the chest and hurt him. Yeah. And, and John, Micah didn't have a lot to offer after that. It, it, you know, it, 
the 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 offense is not very imaginative. The Cowboys offense. And, oh, and well, let's you, talk about second down. We ran the well, ball like six times. Compare that to Lafleur's Lafleur's offense looked right. like something that Mike Michael McDaniel or Shanahan put together. It was amazing. Well, it was very well, well run. So let's let's talk about that for a second, though, because well, he is as much as coaching tree, yep. as much as a hand wringing as there is in Dallas. I mean, does Green Bay get some credit here? Does Jordan yeah, Love they, get some I credit? think they get a I mean, ton of credit. I mean, Jordan Love is playing out of his mind right now. It's it's all come together for them right now, and they're the youngest team in football. Yeah, the Packers youngest team are, to win a playoff game ever. The Packers have a nice young team. They will give San Francisco. Zero scare whatsoever. Jordan Love, it's nice to see him come along after sitting on the bench. But can we not, like, let's really talk about the problem in Dallas. It, it's it's a culture problem, and it starts at the top. And if I am a Dallas fan, I am a Dallas fan. I am getting thousands of people lined up with me with pitchforks, with gas lamps, whatever it is, and I am marching <laughs> to Jerry world. And I'm saying like, like do something, move on, turn it over to somebody. I don't care the kid, whatever you suck. And what you've created with your giant ego is a team filled with egos that all the time they're talking about all the time in Dallas. It's, well, did I get that record? Make sure I, it's all about individual achievements. That's the problem. I mean, yeah, we can give green Bay some credit, but, Guess what? You're not going to have a 49ers team that leaves 17 and a half yards of a receiver open. You don't need credit. Like anybody could have thrown that pass to Musgrave for that touchdown. There wasn't somebody within 20 yards. It was the largest gap in the NFL this season between a defense and a receiver. It's, and that happened it is, twice. twice. This yeah. team has a culture problem. Oh, we have so many pick sixes. Oh, Trevon Diggs has so many interceptions. No, what are you doing as a team? That's that's what I that's what I say. Stephen A nailed it. Dak Dak comes out and says we set the standard. The standard. The standard for what? The standard for losing. The standard was set by the Cowboys teams before that played as a team. You know those teams that actually did something. What is the standard he set? He's they're just so full of themselves. Well, it's how about- so annoying. How about the and I'm fact so happy that, they lost. that Jerry Jones, you know, said the happiest moment in yeah. his football lifetime. Yeah. And he's got three Lombardies and all kinds of other, you know, victories was when Dolly Parton sang at halftime in a cowboy cheerleader outfit and Dallas demolished Washington. He said that was the highlight of his entire career for football. That tells you everything you need to know. He, he clearly needs to go into like an assisted living facility, right? <laughs> I mean, the guy went on and on about a glory hole recently without knowing what the hell that is. Well, he's been done that. That's nothing new. I, I think mean, it's a running, it's a running. He just needs. Kid. He just needs to put be put out the pasture. I are Dallas fans talking about whether or not Dan Quinn already had a job and therefore no. didn't prepare the way he needed to. No, there's no discussion about that. I would hire Dan Quinn as a head coach right now. Dan Quinn, uh, you know, for whatever whatever game plan he drew up wasn't working. He didn't uh, he didn't make any changes. He didn't you know he didn't move on the fly when it was obvious that the Packers 
We're going to run the ball down their throat. But look, guys, what happened in the Buffalo game? James Cook had over 200 yards rushing. They got gashed all year by good running teams, and Milford took advantage of that. I mean, they by establishing the run first, they allowed Love to pick them apart. That's winning football. And, you know, shame on McCarthy and Quinn for not figuring out that's where they were coming from. There was well, a deep middle <clears throat> end that was thrown to Dobbs about three, four times in the first half, and no adjustment was made whatsoever at half right over, Right they, over the middle. Did not take away that yards. pass at all. Yep. That's hey, can we can we talk about the other guy uh, behind you there, House? Yeah. Jay Stroud? Yeah. Come yeah let's on, move man. on to more pleasant things. Rookie quarterback just dissects the one of the best defenses in all of football, the Browns. Browns were like uh, everybody had possible Browns going to Baltimore. I mean, they, yeah. they did not give any chance to the Texans to win that game. They did not. I look, I was wrong. I thought that CJ CJ Stroud was amazing. He's played himself into the upper echelon of quarterbacks, not the top top tier, but up there. We'll see and, up there. and that the rest of the team might just suffer from the we're just so happy to be here. We we may peter out at this stage. He he put them on his back and kept them going. I don't think he's going anywhere against well, the Ravens, but that's an amazing, amazing outcome for a rookie quarterback on that team. And you look, know what look at his coach, D'Amico Ryans, would not mm-hmm. let them be satisfied right. with just making the playoffs. Do, do you know who, what his rating was yesterday? It was like 157. Perfect. Was it, was it yeah. fourth best ever? 157.2. Jeez. That was some of the throws he made were absolutely incredible, way beyond his years. And that was a team that that played great, great team football. You know, he's down one of his major receivers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Noah. And and then Brown so, got hurt. He's out. Brown got hurt too. So I mean, C.J. Stroud is for real. There's no question about that. Ohio State is off the Schneid. And uh, like you said, the Panthers. I don't even know what you're thinking if you're that owner. Like, and by the way, not enough is said about the balls that it took for Houston. To not only get Stroud, but to trade up and make sure they got Will Anderson, who's mm-hmm. been ridiculous. He's so yep. so good, He's and he, yep. he was mm-hmm. fantastic in that game too. They mm-hmm. they literally changed that team with a couple of picks in the first round, one draft, and and some young guys. They just overnight changed that team. And their coach, and their coach, yeah. coach, great coach is coach. amazing. Yep. All right, so um, those are we got those two games, and then. <laughs> The Bills are up 31-17 right now. Yeah, and we got to talk about – I mean, I think the Dolphins-Chiefs game wasn't really much of a a, a surprise. There wasn't really uh, – I don't know that there's a whole lot. I mean, the weather was obviously C.C. Mahomes' helmet break. Yeah, yeah, right. The cold. Uh, but I think that sort of played out sort of the way everybody thought it would. But that kind of goes back to my comment last week. If you're the Dolphins – you're in a dilemma. You're sort of like a, the, the dilemma that Hope was describing with the Cowboys and Dak. You've got a quarterback who during the season is in the discussion for the MVP for a while, Tua, and is running the like, you know, the greatest show on turf for a little while there. But it's pretty clear that he's never going to go into a cold weather outdoor stadium and win a playoff game 
So how far are you going to go with this guy? And what are you going to do about it? Because you're, you're, you've got the, you've got a great coach. You've got a great system. You've got great talent on offense and Tua is going to win you all your home games and lose against the good teams on the road and be terrible in cold weather if you make it to the playoffs. So you've got to basically count on home field advantage through the playoffs in order to go anywhere as the Dolphins with that guy as your quarterback. I think they've got a problem. Yeah. They also need, they also need some defensive help too. I mean, I think they were decimated by the time they got to the playoffs. Yes. I mean, I think between what they've got on offense, those weapons, you just can't rely on, even though they're capable, you can't rely on them scoring 35 points a game in order to stay in a game. Their defense has got to improve. I think the Dolphins are not that far away, and I think they're going to stay. If they, As long as they have Waddle and Reek Hill. and A-Chain and, you know, two, I think, they're gonna be in, I think they're going to be in the mix. they got to fix the defense. Yeah, there's not a lot of Dolphins fans, though, who really like Tua as their quarterback. Uh, they they all think he's the, you know, I talked to a lot of people this weekend, and they all think that he's the weakest link. That he's he, The whole offense is set up for him to make one read uh, and get the ball out because he can't. Apparently, oh, they, they, people don't think he can make a second or third read. But he's still fragile, as we know. Yeah, well, I mean, he got his brain scrambled last year. Well, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of brain um, scrambled, did we not all think Stafford was going to uh, potentially have to come out last night? Yeah, yeah. He, got yeah. Hit late, he got late hit twice on the same play. Hutchins, I think. A thug. I think Detroit needs to never complain about the refs ever again. Uh, between the roughing the passer, two on on one one play, and what was. Definitely, there were there were three fouls on the one play. It was holding pass interference and a late hit in that ultimate play that would have given them a first down, probably gotten a field goal. That yes, there was still time on the clock, but they were going to take the lead. Yep. And but for refing malpractice, Detroit uh, was going to give up that lead to LA late in that game. I agree. I think the refs have had the worst year as as far as I and I've been watching. The NFL since the early '70s. To me, this is the worst year I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's been horrendous. Just mistakes, missed calls at crucial. I mean, just brutal officiating this year. Yep. I mean, that being said, you got to give credit to Detroit, though. I mean, we all had thinking the Rams were potentially going to be trouble for the Niners. Well, yeah. Didn't get past the Lions. Yeah, the the Rams did look like a a real. A team you didn't want to face in the in the playoffs in Detroit. I have to well, say, I have to say, I was completely wrong about Dan Campbell. I thought yeah, the guy was. Go. I there thought he go. was going to be a complete joke, a caricature of himself. And that team's gotten better every year since he's taken over, and now he's gotten them to a position where they're a really solid playoff team. The next step for them is for him to step back from in-game management because i think that's still a weakness of his you know um the cow was it the cowboys game where they decided to go for it on fourth and long instead of kicking the field goal that it would, yep. it would have ensured victory if they just done what you know 90 percent of the analysts think you should do in that situation you know he's a little reckless but i think he's done a hell of a job with the players and motivation and 
and and encouraging guys to be themselves and play to their strengths. He's done a hell of a job. Well, I, he needs a and he what, needs a game manager. What did what an environment too, right? I mean that place was was pretty fired up for a game, uh, yeah. and they're going to get another one next weekend. Yeah. They get another home game. Yeah, so I guess you know, we don't know who Detroit. they're going to be. We don't right. We don't know who they're going to be playing um, yet, but uh, it will be in Detroit. House, what do you think? Come on now, be honest. No, milk's not on here. All right, well listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was supposed to have the floor first, but fortunately, Thank the Cowboys, the Cowboys did a beautiful upstaging. I'm sure you anger. didn't mind. I like like it's been said a million times on Twitter. Uh, last night's Cowboys loss was the best Eagles game in two months. It was like we, Christmas. We're, we're we're fine now. I mean, it, we all we're all ready for the depression of tonight, but it won't really matter because of the embarrassment of Dallas. But I want to say this. <laughs> I I don't like to say never or ever, but I'm not sure that I will ever forgive A.J. Brown. And I'm not sure that I will ever forgive Nick Sirianni because we should not be coming into this game tonight with a cloud over our heads. And that's what those two in particular have done. It has been well described on this pod multiple times about the childish act of professional athletes wiping their social media clean so they can, what, get traded, get a better contract. But this team, who is reeling after a 10-1 start, lost five out of six games, is prepping for a game on the road, has their star wide receiver who's sitting on the sidelines wipe his social media. To create a distraction for what? You're a child, A.J. Brown. You are a great receiver, but you are a child. You have teammates in that locker room with you whose livelihood, their families depend on incentives in playoff games. Like This matters materially to players that had blood, sweat, and tears with you in the trenches. And what do you do to support your teammates? You wipe your social media. For what? For what? And Nick Sirianni, who who is like careening out of control, can't get his team a win, and decides on on a turf that is easily the worst in professional football that I'm going to put Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown and DeAndre Swift and eight and Devontae Smith and you name it, all your stars, I'm gonna put them on the Meadowland, the MetLife Stadium field, when we all know that Dallas is going to go into Washington and win the division. It, nothing's going to change by you beating the hapless Giants. And what happens? Not only do you get embarrassed by the Giants, but you get Reed Blankenship, your starting safety hurt. You get A.J. Brown hurt. Coaching, now practice. And now what? Now you're left with limping into Tampa to get embarrassed by Patrick Meichler. I need that on my head tonight. I need mm-hmm. milk to come back at 1130 mm-hmm. drunk. Please. <laughs> so to cut the Toby, white I, you know what? I, I'm going to amend my opening answer and say that the person I would most like to have a drink with right now is milk. And I would ask <laughs> milk, what's bringing you greater joy? Satan returning to hell. 
the Cowboys losing or the Bucks beating the Eagles tonight? I think his answer is yes. Yeah. So wait, I don't how, see how we do as he, it. As he I don't pounds see how a white cloth. I really don't. I, how do we beat this team? We have the 31st pass defense in the league. We're missing our starting safety, and Mike Evans is a fantastic receiver, let alone Chris Godwin as well. We have an anemic offense, which is predictable of you know, vertical go routes and quarterback keeper from Jalen Hurts, and we're missing A.J. Brown. Like, I don't know how we score. I don't know how we defend. I don't, I don't know. Now, Sirianni can change a lot, in my view, if he pulls this team together tonight. And if he pulls this team together and we pull off a miracle and we go to Detroit and A.J. Brown gets off the sidelines and stops being a baby and shows up next week, okay, these guys can be redeemed. I'm not going to say never, but right now they're both at 1% in my book. I'm so pissed at both of them. So my, my question, though, why is A.J. Brown mad? To play well, the game plan is getting the ball him off. Yeah. Right now, I, mean, right, I think the, I've heard rumors that he's the seen ball. the game You know, they implemented the game plan during the week, and it's run the ball, run the ball, run the ball at the Bucks. But But can I say something about A.J. Brown? We were able to ignore it because he was ours, but it's pretty clear now. The guy is a quitter. He quit on the Tennessee Titans. He he had a same injury that, frankly, he sold the Titans on, believing them that they could get rid of damaged goods, which is why they traded him for basically nothing. But he was never really hurt. He was never that badly hurt. He had no injury problems with us when we got him. He didn't want to be on that team anymore. He quit on them. And we should have known that we were getting a quitter. And not only is he quitting on his team, he's quitting on his best friend. I mean, Jalen Hurts is really one of his best friends. All right, so sometimes it doesn't go the way you want it to go. Get on the field, get open, and make the next play. Make the next play. I, I, I cannot believe this is happening. And, okay, if you're hurt, you're hurt. I'm not, you know, if the trainers really say he shouldn't play this game, he says, but what with the social media thing? And, and Saturday night, after wiping your social media and your players are trying to get ready to go to Tampa, you're seen in Atlantic City at a boxing match? Come on, man. Seriously. Yep. So it was a little early punch, but yeah. What is it with the A and Brown receivers? I don't know. You know, a lot of these wide receivers. <laughs> AJ, go Diva, Antonio. They go, to, they go to Diva University. and They really you know, do. Yeah. Which I, you know, I meant to say this, actually, and I'll, I'll give you credit. Uh, I, I don't really want to talk about the commanders very long at all, but you did share with us a... Uh, a a season-ending post-mortem at the locker from Terry McLaren. McLaren, however you say his last name. That's the way a receiver should talk about their teammates. Mm-hmm. That is the that is a leader in the locker room. Right. Or how about Tyreek Hill? How about Tyreek yeah. Hill? He may be the most talented wide receiver in football, and all he wants to do is give credit to Tua. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, it looks like we're going to have um, – yeah. by the way um, – as happy as I am about Dallas losing, I'm not going to lie. The drama in Philadelphia also makes me smile. It's been a very good winning, Bison. It's been a great week for the worst two teams in the NFC. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We may wind exactly. up winning as many playoff games as the two best teams. I mean, honestly, as you sit here right now, which team – in the NFC East, do you feel like his best position for next season moving forward? 
Hey, <laughs> regular season, we got this. Don't it's worry. Probably the commanders of the Giants. At this yeah, point. No, we got the regular season. You guys don't worry about that. We'll talk again in the playoffs. <laughs> well, it looks like we're going to have a, a Bills win. Uh, and since that's 53 yes. seconds away by my count here, um, yeah. any thoughts on how Buffalo looked? I mean, how did Josh Pretty Allen, good. how did he make that? I mean, did you see him run away from those guys? Yeah. Um, I don't know. This, I, I, a lot this of is the team was, that we said if they got in, and it, it was a long shot, but if they got in, they could cause some major problems. And I, I think they're going to beat the Chiefs. So you're looking at a AFC championship game, uh, presumably Baltimore and uh, and Buffalo. And Buffalo. Yeah. So, I think so either why one of those. Go ahead. go ahead, Rooster. No, you go. I'm I on just, a different say, I think I think either one of those teams, Bills or Chiefs, I can't wait for that game now next week. And I think either one of them gives the Ravens all kinds of fits. All kinds of fits. For sure. What I was going to say about the Steelers is doesn't everything we just said about Dallas apply more so to the Steelers? Are they just content every year to win nine games, get in the in the playoffs and lose? Well, that's not that's not that's fair. F- what, I mean, they, what do you mean that's not fair? What have they done? They don't since have Dak Big Ben left the Tony team to Pollard, replace Micah him. Parsons. They're playing this They've game won multiple TJ Super Watt. Bowls since yeah, Cowboys yeah, have been mean, to the championship. Yeah, but they're lately. Yeah, lately they are every. It seems like every year. Oh, somehow they managed to to eke out a above five hundred season, and now they've they haven't broken the streak of having consecutive winning seasons. And then they, if they get in the playoffs, they lose. They need to do better than that. I don't think the Steeler fans have the same kind of rabid, um, you know, feelings about their owner. Like, oh my God! Only a like only we a Cowboys fan could say that. Yeah. Well, they have the same rabid feeling about their team. Maybe no, not no, hatred nope. of their owner. No, yeah. no question. They don't hate their yeah. owner. Yeah, and, I, and they're I agree. not. And and they love Mike Tomlin. I mean, you know, how can you not love Mike Tomlin? Yeah, I agree. Well, they're, my question, my question, I guess, is why wheels. do we love Mike Tomlin? What has he done? Like? Never had a losing season. How many playoff? Big deal. Neither has neither has the in the last three years. The Cowboys have won twelve games. Is is that enough? You wouldn't want to know no. that your team is always in the mix, and you never know what happens in the playoffs. You wouldn't want to know that you you start the season every year knowing that you're you're going to be in the mix, well, and maybe if you can put it together. The problem for the Steelers is that since Big Ben retired, they haven't figured out the quarterback position. Right, right, and that's and that you know Tomlin has done some of his best coaching probably since uh, Ben's been gone. Um, you know, if you think about it, but um, they, they've got to, like every team in the NFL, you got to get that position right. You just got to get it right. And and you're not going to be a Super Bowl contender until you do have it right. Well, they so, haven't won a game since 2016 in the playoffs. That's a long time. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of coaches, are we are we talking about NFL coaches too? Yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. Let's tee that up. So um, let's, yeah, let's get into that. The openings and and the firings and all that stuff. Well, we got uh, I saw that you have me on on this, and I have had zero time to prepare for it. But I will say uh, this: well, no, no. Let me just say this. I think the days of first of all, I think there are going to be a ton of openings, and there's not enough talented people to fill these openings, as far as I can tell, because the days of handing over a head coaching position to a guy like Dan Quinn um, are over. I mean, I think that 
Matt LaFleur and Shanahan and Mike McDaniel have shown, you can't win with basic offenses in the in the NFL. You have got to have a very, very, very creative system to win in the NFL. And you can't I I wouldn't hire a defensive head coach right now. I just wouldn't do it. I mean, look what happened with Brandon Staley. I think Harbaugh goes to the Chargers or the Raiders. And after that, who the hell knows? Because um, I'm not hiring Dan Quinn. I'm not that interested in Belichick. Um, if if Mike McCarthy gets fired, I know a lot of teams will want him. I wouldn't sure. want him. Um, you know, if if the well, maybe he's got the stigma of Dallas, but you know, he's still a good head coach. Maybe with a different culture, he could win. Well, well a lot of these, not, let, I mean, the enemy was that. two years ago. Everyone thought the enemy would be a head coach by now. I think he'd be lucky. He's going to be lucky to be an offensive coordinator next yeah, year. He, he, did, he, he shot himself in the So play. who are the studs out there right now? There, People are talking about this Vrabel? guy from, from Vrabel. Uh, Vrabel is a solid, solid coach who's a defensive guy. Right. Needs a big offensive. Maybe mind. a team that needs some discipline and he needs to bring in a, a, a really hot young offensive coordinator with him. Um, and people well, are talking there's, about there's always a, there's always a chance that he reunites with Arthur Smith, I who think, was his offensive coordinator in in Tennessee. Yeah, I think one of these jobs may go to Antonio Pierce. I think his little tryout might have earned him a head coaching job, and I think that I think he's deserving of it. I hope it's the Raiders because he deserves the, it. The players are gonna are gonna um, there might be a little mutiny on that team yeah. if they don't hire him. Um, but even if they don't hire him, he should be somebody's defensive coordinator for sure. But we didn't yeah. really know Matt LaFleur and Sean McVay. I mean, maybe Bison did, but most of us didn't know about these obscure assistants. I think Shane Steichen did a great job for Indianapolis mm-hmm. this year. I, mm-hmm. I, there, there are these guys. They're at Baltimore. They're at Detroit. They're at other places that we don't right. even know. And, right. some and that's of them who I think is going to get hired. My point is, yeah. I don't like. People are saying Bill Belichick would be the perfect fit in Atlanta. Uh, Why do you want that guy to be coaching your young? I mean, you're going to draft a quarterback probably. Um, The thing about Atlanta is that, I mean, I don't see, why would he want to go there? Right? Doesn't he want to walk into a place where he can win a Super Bowl? He wants to get a Super Bowl without Brady. And and so he wants to go somewhere where he could, Atlanta is not set up to do that right now, are they? No, they're they're they could they could draft a they could make they could if their GM pulled off some deals they could draft one of the top two quarterbacks and have one one of the top running backs and have a pretty potent offense. They're still a work in progress, though. Yeah, they're not they're not knocking on the door. I mean, and what about Pete Carroll? Don't forget Pete. He wants to coach still. Yeah, I don't know why he's not. Is, I mean, is the, Seattle's talking about Dan, Dan Quinn. As, the replacement. Did you know that? There was there's some scuttlebutt that Seattle wants Dan Quinn as the replacement. Why replace Pete Carroll with Pete Carroll light? I mean, there's yeah. the difference there. Pete Carroll's a successful head coach. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's. I mean, you're right. There's a lot of retreads out there, and um, you know, there there's just a lot of these boomers don't want to go away. <laughs> yeah, it's that everything. Yeah. And they don't right. want to go away. Um, but I, I do think there are certain scenarios like where Belichick would would make sense. Uh, you know, San Diego may be one of them. 
The problem is, is I don't think the owner spends any money there. So uh, I think that, and, and that might be the San Diego. I'm still doing that with mm-hmm. chargers. Um, and I don't know how that works for Harbaugh going there. Right. Because I don't know what kind of contract they're going to give. But you got to think that Belichick has somewhere between three to five years left in the tank. Yeah. I mean, is that, is that what you 72. want? Is that what you want? Like, well, I think you know. what Belichick can give you is he's going to come in and I, and I heard a lot of talk about this and some other pods that he's going to build the institution so that it can be run. Like apparently, I mean, obviously the guy's incredibly successful, but his attention to detail down to who is answering the phones in the organization. I mean, everything. He is a hawk on everything. And they, they think that he could go into an organization and really help build it out. Um, so there, there's probably a place or two that could use that. Yeah, but they're uh, not they're not the ones contending for the Super Bowl. True. And he wants true. to win, what is it, eleven more true. games, fourteen more games? Yeah, something like that. Mm. Well, I mean I think the Panthers the, could definitely use him. He's not going there. No. No, he's not going to the Panthers. I don't know. I don't know where he where he ends up. I mean, Dallas is not a bad place for him to go if Jerry would just let him do what he wants to do. He'd bring instant respect into the locker room and, you know, trust the process. He and, you know, we'll segue to Saban in a minute, but he and Saban are very similar from that. Trust the process. Yeah. Um, I think, I think Belichick may have the cachet to say to Jerry, look, if I do this, here are the conditions and you better live by them or I'm out. Yeah. I mean that would be epic. I would love to see. I would love to see that that uh, shit show. Uh, so, um, I mean, I think some of the guys who you're you're hearing a lot about are the two coordinators in in Detroit, Ben Johnson, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and and um, I can't remember the other guy's name. Um, and then you've got uh, there's Weaver in Baltimore, McDonald in Baltimore. Those are two guys who are thought of as as good prospects. Um, so, I mean, there are, you know, there are a number of coordinators, like Toby said, out there that that are probably, or, or you know, we were saying, I think there's those guys are going to fill the jobs. So there's a lot of jobs. I mean, there's a lot of jobs right now. Carolina, Vegas, L.A., Atlanta, Washington, Tennessee, Seattle, New England's been filled. But so there's a, there's a lot of opportunity. And, and, and by the way, I'm, che- I'm checking a couple Twitter more to, to come. see if. If Jerry's fired McCarthy yet, because there there might be happen two, any minute, right? There might be two or three more openings. I mean, you know, is Bulls going to get fired in in Tampa, and is Sirianni going to get fired in Toby? What about what about Belichick to the Eagles? I don't see it. I, I just don't see it. Uh, that's not. Lurie likes he likes uh, coordinators. He likes younger guys. Uh, he did one experiment like that. I guess the closest thing to Belichick was a Chip Kelly type situation, like a guru, and that was a major bust. Major, major bust. I think. But he's not a meddling the, owner, though. No, he's not a. No, no. I, I just I don't see them. Look, if the Eagles are embarrassed tonight, uh, Sirianni's gone. What about Howie? Eagles, Any repercussions for Howie? No, I don't think so. He's done enough. He's done enough. I think Howie's got a lot of 
power there. Uh, but I think if, if they get embarrassed, Sirianni's gone. I think if they lose cl- very close or if they win, I think he gets one more year. Uh, the big problem is he better he better have a a talking with with Jalen. All the discussion today is that Jalen was very frustrated at the direction of the offense, and he just he thinks the offense is too predictable. And he's tried to say word to Sirianni about the direction of the offense, and it was kind of rejected. So I don't know. It's a mess. It it is really really a mess. Um, Bison, have we come full circle on the? pod because in the beginning days that was always the question is what's going on with the Philadelphia quarterback situation <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, right. Yeah. Uh, you're right three years ago that was it gotten the, to the point where the it was getting a little stale there at the end there right? <laughs> yeah, that's right and I said they're still <laughs> looking funny. for a quarterback that three is years ago <laughs> yeah, that's right that's right we might have to bring it back so all right uh anything else on on NFL uh, I guess we have to talk a little college football for a minute, don't we? We do. I mean, it's a end of an era, not only in the NFL with Belichick, but the uh, college football with retiring of Nick Saban this week after 17 years at Alabama with probably uh, a record that'll be really hard to match with the modern college football the way it is. Six national championships, um, 11 SEC championships, uh, 206 and 29 for his record, 44 first round draft picks, four Heisman Trophy winners, um, and you know just success after success uh, on the field. And uh, it it got to the point where you know at one point Alabama and Clemson uh, kept swapping national championships, and uh, then it became Alabama Georgia, and it was you know redundant, and everybody hated Saban for it. But it's hard to argue with the success he had. And, um, you know, it's it's a massive loss, uh, obviously, for the Alabama football program. I mean, the the two icon coaches they've had now, Bear Bryant and, and Nick Saban, just loom over the program. But um, I think uh, that they did as good as they could have uh, as far as a hire by getting Caleb DeBoer. Um, is one of those up-and-coming coaches. He had two great years with Washington. Seems to be one of the better offensive minds in college football now. Um, by all accounts, you know, he wants to uh, respect the past and he wants to make sure that Saban is still, you know, involved in the program and Saban would like to be involved in the program. And so hopefully it's a passing of the torch. Uh, we can talk about it on another pod because I think it's a great discussion about how coaches that follow legacy coaches do because it's a, it's not a pattern of uh, of a lot of success. But um, DeBoer will get an opportunity. Um, we're in a new system now with 12 team playoff. Uh, there's a lot of expectations for him coming in. Um, he needs to probably go to the playoff next year. He doesn't necessarily need to win a national championship, but, um, you know, it's, uh, I didn't expect Saban to retire as, as soon as he did. Uh, don't know if there's anything other than the fact that he said he's just feeling old and this year was one of those tough years and he just didn't feel like he was able to do what he needed to do to, uh, get the players uh, ready on a regular basis, and then go out, of course, and recruit and deal with NIL and everything else. So, um, Pope, what's the word on what's the word on DeBoer as a recruiter? He's he's a good he's recruiter. Bringing his offensive coordinator with him, isn't he? He's who bringing also his is a good Ryan recruiter. Yeah. And he's 
and he's bringing his, they call him his general manager, Courtney Morgan, who uh, was a, a, a stud Michigan guy uh, that uh, went over and, and helped uh, <clears throat> recruit for uh, DeBoer and, you know, kind of like, is just one of those force of personality guys. When he got off the plane, uh, when, when uh, uh, DeBoer came to Tuscaloosa the night they hired him, um, you know, the Bama uh, nation was very happy because they said this is a good sign uh, that recruits will be looking at because he's very popular among recruits. Uh, they don't have a DC yet. There, uh, there's some rumors about trying to get uh, a guy that was, uh, the, I think, their safeties coach this year, secondary coach this year. Uh, I don't think he's going to uh, come. He's going to be with Georgia co-defensive coordinator. But they need a they need a DC or somebody like that who's strong on recruiting and knows the SEC. Um, uh, Pope, what is it? What's the reason that that Alabama couldn't land their first choice? Landing. Yeah. So, you know, they will never admit that landing was their first choice. What, the one thing that I haven't talked about is the Jimmy Sexton roulette show. So, you know, Jimmy Sexton, the super agent to coaches, uh, is Saban's agent, Lanning's agent, Norvell's agent, Sarkeesian's agent. Uh, and he basically got all his clients big raises. Uh, some of them got doubled. Um, and, uh, Greg Byrne, the AD, in his press conference said he was actually in Seattle on Wednesday after Saban had uh, said he was retiring. So I don't know if you know if if Byrne was in Seattle because that way he could go either way to Oregon or Washington, depending on on what they were hearing. But uh, it it certainly at one point we were worried that it could be a, a situation where they had to settle settle for like a Dan Mullen or somebody like that, you know, who was on the coaching tree or uh, that uh, did not bring a lot of uh, uh, juice to the program. And that was, that was a concern. I think DeBoer is a good hire. I think he was high on the list. I'm pretty sure Byrne had a go list. I mean, it's not news that Saban eventually would have to retire. So I'm sure they had a program in place uh, that once they, they got an inkling that he was thinking about retiring that they put into put into uh, effect. All right. I mean, what do you guys think? You think DeBoer was a good hire? I think it's a risk, but I think, I think DeBoer is a rebound girlfriend. Um, I think, I think maybe it's an impossible shoes to fill. And I think if you went really super, super big, um, and, and I, I, I did hear that they, they made some play at Lane Kiffin. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't think so. But um, I think there are big enough names that if they went after those names, it could really blow back if it didn't work out. I, I think this is a relatively low-risk move. The guy has a decent pedigree. He's won. At pretty much everywhere he's gone, I think what he did with Indiana was very impressive. And if it doesn't work out, it's like, well, who was gonna who was gonna follow Saban anyway? Now let's get this the the, the creme de la creme, whatever Dabo, whomever else. Oh I God, not Dabo. Low, whatever. I don't know who is the right, but I just think it's it's low risk, and it, but it's, it it has a very good likelihood, Pope, that what you're dealing with is a rebound girlfriend here. Yeah, I, I mean, don't, Tommy Tuberville's out there for. 
But I'm, I'm just saying, Tommy under Tuberville. the circumstances, it, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> under the circumstances, it was probably the best that they could do. Well, what does that I mean? Wait a minute, though. What does that mean? Under the circumstances, it was the best they could do. It's supposed to be the one of the most prestigious football schools. I mean, I, I think the thing well, we're not getting, getting around getting is getting a big. Just, Getting a big name to leave a school, you know, like, I mean, and and Sarkeesian wasn't really a big name, but he's an, obviously he's done really well, and Texas, you know, is getting paid very well, um, and he's ingrained into the Austin uh, scene. He's not going anywhere. Um, I mean, you you know, it's not they're not going to get Kirby Smart. They're not going to get Harbaugh's not going to come to Alabama. I, I think this is this so, is the point I'm making. Those there's better jobs out there, right? Well, I mean, I think following Saban is always going to be a risk from a coaching standpoint. So that would be the only reason I say that under the circumstances. Yeah, I, I want to say right. this, particularly because Milk is not on. He'd be very mad at me for giving a compliment to Saban. But the stuff that I heard unrelated to football, which I never knew, was what was most impressive about Saban. I mean, I think he expanded the enrollment there from like 40000 to 60000 the average GPA went up, the amount of money and endowment that came into the school. Like he literally changed the face of a university. He up he upped the average pay to the premier coaches in college, uh, even assistant coaches. Like the ripple effect of this guy for an entire university and an economy of coaches, I don't know that there's going to be another one like him for a while. Yeah, they call it Sabanomics at, at Alabama. The chancellor said he was probably worth over a billion dollars to the university over the period of time he was coaching because so many people from out of state wanted to come and Alabama became a hard school to get into and out of state tuition is so much more than in state. And they raised their, you're right. They raised their enrollment by almost double. Crazy. Barbecue sauce. I have a lasso. Oh, good. I was like, somebody have something to talk about. I, I really, I think this is what the lasso is about. Uh, if you guys didn't hear the story about the Detroit GM, this guy, Brad Holmes, this guy, uh, he was like a linebacker for NCA&T. Uh, he got in a very serious car accident in which he was in a coma and suffered a stroke. Uh, he graduated ultimately cum laude. He survived that that experience where he probably should have died. He started out working at Enterprise Rental Car, and he basically begged his way into becoming a PR intern for the Rams organization. And he climbed the ladder from from starting out as a PR intern out of Enterprise Rental Car from a HBCU school. And just kept staying at it and staying at it and learning the business and learning the organization. And eventually he became the director of their college scouting uh, and an integral part of their draft, um, helping them to, you know, make their way all the way to be a, a Super Bowl contender. And then when Campbell came over, Holmes came with him. And he what he's done to build that team, you know, a lot of people were like, what are they doing getting rid of DeAndre Swift and uh, going with Jameer Gibbs, you know, what, what he's done to build that team and how that team has gone from, I think it was a zero win team 
in like 16 or 17 to where they are now is yes, we gave credit to Dan Campbell early in this, but there's a lot being written now about Brad Holmes and what a remarkable story. I mean, remarkable story. I don't think there's very many people in the NFL who went from being a PR intern to becoming a GM of a team that put put the team back on the map and gave a city like hope again and and just like incredible exhilaration last night. This cool story. Yeah. yeah, good story. Yeah, that is a good lasso. All right, any other lassos? Anybody got buzzer beaters? I've got one. Okay. For, for the first time in 15 years, the Yukon Huskies are ranked by the yeah. AP as number one in college basketball. Today. How many years? 15. Wow. That's crazy. Interesting, yeah. And the How Heels many? are number four. How many national championships do they have in that 15-year period? One. Only one? I don't know. I don't know. I know they have uh, one. Last all right. Year, yeah. I know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Any, any other buzzers? Toto Wolf signed a, an extension with Mercedes. Stay on for another three years. I, I said it before. I said it before. This is my buzzer. I, I think we are in store for one of the more fun March Madnesses in a while. Last week, I think four out of the top five teams lost. I just don't think there's yeah, anything. Eight of the top rem- 10. Yeah. Anything remotely clear cut. There's going to be upset city. And I can't wait for March to get here so I can get beyond Eagles football. Yes. Well, hopefully that's coming to an end in a few short hours. It Ease is. Ease his pain. All right. Anybody have anything else? How many How many days till pitchers and catchers, Bison? Oh, um, you should know I think this. it's like. Well, it's, it's 73 it's like to 30. opening day. It's like 30 days to pitchers and catchers. <laughs> I think February 15th or so when they report. Who's going to sign Blake Snell? Could be the Phillies. Could yeah. could be. Could be. Probably the Dodgers. <laughs> All right. All right well, I'd like See to y'all. say good luck tonight, House, but not really. Yeah, no. The one no, SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michaeler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. 
Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison Nace hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.